You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast. I'm John and I'm delighted to be joined by a special guest, um, Director at Aberdeen, Zoe Ogilvy. Zoe, thank you very much for coming on. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, and uh, thank you for inviting me. I think. <laughs> yes, no, no, it's a, um, our pleasure to have you on. Um, before we obviously talk about, um, you know, the role that we know you best for now. Understand um, your background is that you were you're a director, still are a director at Big Partnership, um, and you've been there yes. for what more than two decades. Um, what does that mm-hmm. role um, entail, and um, how much do you enjoy it? Um, well, obviously, I am. Um, when we set up Big Partnership back in uh, 2000, yeah, that's how, how long ago it was. Um, I, th- I suppose the big the big in Big Partnership was uh, really out, uh, a bit of irony because we were so small. Um, but but now we have grown to to become uh, one of the largest independent uh, full service marketing uh, agencies in Scotland. Um, something something that we're we're very very proud of. Uh, in Aberdeen, we've got we've got a great team in Aberdeen, um, probably sitting at around twenty people just now, and we work with um, you know a variety of clients, uh, of which Aberdeen Football Club is one. Well, that's good to have those um, close links, and um, you know, was, so there's also a football connection. There's a um, what other big connections do you have like, across the country? We um, we work for a number of professional services firms. Um, in Aberdeen, as you would expect, uh, about 70% of our clients are in the energy uh, sector. Um, but uh, we, you know, we work for brands um, such as Aldi, um, Booking.com. Um, who else do we do? Logan Air, I think brands that, that, that you would know. So so anything from, you know, really big multinational uh, businesses right through to, to small, um, you know, Scottish owned businesses. So, um, no pun intended, you are a pretty big deal. Yeah, I like to think so. <laughs> it certainly sounds like you've got a good bunch of um, clients um, uh, on board. And, uh, you know, without being too specific, what sort of, um, is, is your role with Big Partnership just mainly to advise and lead marketing strategy so that these businesses, including Aberdeen Football Club, can grow? Uh, yes, very, very much so. I mean, one of the things that we, we ask our, our clients is, you know, what keeps you up at night? What, what challenges are you facing that, you know, good uh, marketing and, and comms can help you address? And, you know, it mainly comes down to, to sort of two, two or three things. It's, it's about, you know, managing uh, reputation. It's about driving uh, sales. Um, it's about changing perceptions and, and behaviour. Yeah, well, that's, um, you certainly seem to be doing well. And it obviously led you to... Um, an invitation um, to come on to the Aberdeen board, um, 3rd of June 2021, and it was uh, historical from an Aberdeen football club point of view, you became the first woman to be elected onto the board. Um, so you must have been doing something right at Big Partnership to get that call from Dave Cormack. Yeah, I think so. And I, 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 I've told so many people this story, but um, it, it was <laughs> it was quite amusing. When, when Dave asked me, I think I almost dropped the phone um, because, you know, he, he started off the conversation by saying, you know, because they'd, they'd had Gordon Buchan had retired from the board after oh, probably more than 20 years uh, service. Um, and 
Dave said, you know, with, with Gordon retiring, there's, there's a role on the board and given that he is ba primarily based in the States, so, so is our other board director, Tom Crotty. Um, you know, it was important for for Dave that it was somebody local, somebody based in Aberdeen that that would that would come onto the board, and he said, and he said, Zoe, I really think it should be a woman. And I said, Dave, I couldn't agree more with you. It's about time, you know, um, that we need that diversity on the board and with the the, the growth in, in in women's football. I think it's incredibly important. And I then reeled off about two or three names of people that I thought would be quite good. And there was just silence at the other end of the phone. And uh, I said, hello. <laughs> and he said, well, I said, actually, we were thinking about you. Um, and I, oh, I, was, I, was, I was incredibly flattered. I actually didn't know what to say to begin with. Um, and then I said to him, I said, I really need to think about this um, and I'll come back to you. And it's probably the only time I think that Dave has been a bit impatient with me because I did take a long time to, to decide as I say, it was I was incredibly honoured to, to have been asked, but I was I was concerned, and I was probably mainly concerned about what the fans would think, because I thought, well, there's going to be a lot of people out there that are going to say, well, what does she know? What you know, what what what, what qualifies her to be on the the board of a football club? Um, but also, it's a it's a big commitment. It it eats into your 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 personal uh, time quite quite significantly. Um, I mean, jokingly, I always say to people with my husband involved in Cove Rangers, Francesca playing for Aberdeen Women and me now on the board, we've got to check three fixture lists before we decide what, you know, our plans for, for any weekend or for going away or what, whatever we do. So so it is it is a big commitment. Um, but yeah, I... Uh, I decided to, to to go for it, and it's not been without its challenges. Um, but it's, as I say, it's an incredible uh, honour and privilege. Um, and and yeah, it, it's it, it's a lot of work. But I was obviously have been involved with the football club probably for about the last twenty years uh, in a in a consultancy role. So so it's not that I wasn't familiar with with you know with how the club is run and. Um, and, and what the club does and the challenges that 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 it faces and um, yeah it's uh, been it's been it's been a journey I think um, the the last well yeah it's more than more than a year now and and it's just flown by. Yeah, it's been um, a very quick fifteen months um, since uh, obviously you um, got that unexpected um, phone call. Um, and I mean, were you an Aberdeen fan growing up as well? Well, I wasn't really to start no, okay. with. Um, it, I, was, I was actually a, a rugby uh, fan because um, brought up in a household. Uh, my dad played rugby at, at a very high level. My, my brother played rugby. I was very involved with Aberdeen Grammar Rugby. Um, went to all the, the Scotland internationals. Um, and I suppose it was probably the, our our glory era. So it was probably about the, the 80s um, that, that I started actually, you know, so going going to Aberdeen uh, matches and and being a bit more in, involved in football, um, but it wasn't really until Francesca started playing that I I got really um, you know in, involved in the game and actually started to un understand the game and um, just being involved more in the club. And then when when Dave became chairman, um, my consultancy role sort of grew uh, in the club as as, as well. Mm -hmm. 
Well, but, um, you obviously see he works with the club. Um, well, not directly, obviously, um, but you know you worked with them as, as part of your um, role, of big partnership. So, um, you you worked with Stuart Mill, but you would have had some conversations with Stuart Mill beforehand. You know what was um, what was he like in um, in comparison? Uh, I'm I'm a huge uh, fan of uh, of Stuart's and obviously worked really closely with him um, with his own business as as well as him as the the chairman of the the club. Um, again, jokingly, I used to say that I spent most of my life defending Stuart to taxi drivers and Aberdeen fans. Um, he Stuart is an incredibly inspirational uh, business leader. He's actually. You know, I've learned a lot from, from Stuart over the years. Um, I think he, you know, he he got obviously a very hard time uh, as chairman. Um, but I think that you know when he announced his intention to, to to step back after again such a long period of time, where you know he was absolutely committed um, to the club and to you know particularly getting the club uh, out of debt. You know all the challenges that that that, that Stuart faced and. You know, in some respects, he he was ahead of his time in some of the decisions that he made uh, at Aberdeen, not popular decisions, but things that got the club into into a better place, um, both you know on and and off the pitch. Um, and I think it's it, it's great that we still have Stuart's knowledge, experience, um, and and passion uh, on the board. And I think I think Stuart and Dave complement each other very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he, he was also a figurehead for such a long time before he made the decision to step back. And, um, mm. you know, as you rightly identify, um, he was hot and cold with some Aberdeen fans. That, and let's be honest, as an Aberdeen supporter myself, um, we're a hard bunch to please. <laughs> You've seen a lot of that in Twitter. I so, know uh, this. <laughs> yeah, you're obviously learning um, very well. So, um, so go back to when you um, went over. Went on the board. So, what's your main responsibility? Because I'm assuming most directors have like key, um, almost specific areas that they focus on primarily above everything else. Absolutely. Well, let's put it this way: I'm not on the football monitoring committee of the board, (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I think that's that that's that's important. I think that you know, I uh, I know why Dave asked me to be on the board. I think that he he. You know, he wants the those those communication and marketing uh, skills. Um, it's it's sometimes it's the contacts that 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 I have through through business locally, but also through, through throughout Scotland. It's the I think sometimes the ability to because I'm involved in other sectors and not just uh, football. It's the ability sometimes to to make connections to 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 join uh, join the dots uh, on things. Um, it's it's also I think really I think what a board to any organisation what a board should bring is is that you know holding the the executive to account, um, providing that that governance, uh, making sure that the, that the club is is run sustainably but is is well is well run. Um, it's but it's also about that bringing that fresh approach and different uh, different perspectives that you know when you're just working in one organization you 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 only have the the perspective of, of that organization and, and and that sector so it's it's bringing together people with different skills complementary skills and, and knowledge and contacts um that are going to be of of wider benefit to to the club 
So uh, to answer your question in a long-winded way, um, I think that it's primarily about that, you know, commercial um, knowledge, contacts and experience. It's about the communications and, uh, and marketing and, and, and particularly on, on, on fan engagement. And, you know, I worked really closely with, with the club uh, on the, the Still Standing Free campaign during COVID. Um, and it's one of the things that, that personally I'm particularly proud of, but I'm incredibly proud of, of the club in what it did um during uh during the, the you know the worst the the worst of lockdowns etc for the community i think what it did was really reinforce the that the, the club as being at the heart of the community and demonstrating to not not just fans and uh, uh and everybody else because fans know this but but demonstrating to to others whether it be you know local politicians, national politicians, um, people in the, the, the private sector and the, the public sector, that the club, like any football club, has a reach into uh, the community that, that, it, that is stronger, it has a connection with people that is, that is stronger than, um, than other organisations can. The club can tap into you know what we in marketing call those hard to reach audiences using the the kind of the, the passion um for for Aberdeen the, the the love of the love of football that that brings people together and i think that's the still standing free demonstrated that when you've got a, the club and it's a charitable trust and the red army all working together to to benefit the community that's a really powerful force for good yeah, definitely. It's, I mean, the community trust, you touched on that there. I mean, the, the work that they did was um, one of the big benefits um, during lockdown. Um, you know, when some football bodies were squabbling over, you know, the, the league at that point, and that's not a conversation we'll visit, but the community trust were fantastic. And just little things like Joe Lewis and Shay Logan phoning random fans to just ask how they're doing and, uh, yeah. you know, food bank collections etc it's it, it was just great to see during um, times where it was very frustrating mm, yeah but we and we've got some great you know great stories there that you know that that, that touched us all where you know the just the, the, the real pleasure um that some people got out of those those phone calls was was fantastic yeah and long may and long may it continue um we'll certainly champion the, the community trust and everything that they do um obviously when you when you came in it was after a season of no fans which is about well, apart from one game where there was what 200 tied um, against Kilmarnock. and at this point it was still up in there although there were some fans um, allowed to come back for a little bit it was in a wee bit of time for it was full again how challenge um, how challenging was that to make sure you got fans back on seats again I think the the real challenges during some of these behind closed doors games were it was it, 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 a lot of people didn't see was the huge amount of work that was done behind the scenes to you know to meet protocols and and, and everything that that, that 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 was going on at, at, at that time and I think you know again hats off to so many people um, at the club who who were able to to implement these and the, things were changing on a on a daily basis and in in some respects and I think that you know getting getting fans back uh, was hugely important and you know I think sometimes we were criticised for being quite outspoken um, on the issue of, of, of getting fans back. 
Um, you know, obviously we always wanted to do things safely, um, but at the same time we knew how important football is to people and how, you know, yes, there were people that were nervous about coming back, uh, understandably, particularly those in a, in a vulnerable category. And we know that we still, you know, we're still not getting all our season ticket holders uh, back, for example. There are still people that are maybe not comfortable at uh, of attending big, big crowded events, even even now. Um, so I think, you know, the, 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 the safety and, uh, and making people, you know, feel feel safe um, at, at the beginning of coming coming back was was really really important but you know you see the difference it, it makes to, to the atmosphere I mean I don't think anybody ever wants to go back to football behind closed doors it just it just you know and it, I think what it does also illustrate what we all know is that football is nothing without it without the fans Absolutely couldn't agree more. Um, but you're now about to face another challenge because obviously um, the cost of living um, crisis is, is well and truly upon us. And, uh, you know, people are having to make decisions as to, you know, in some houses they're having to make a decision as to either putting the heating on or putting on a cardigan, uh, putting the heating on or uh, or have something to eat. It's, um, you know, these are obviously um, tough decisions. And foot, it's going to um, affect football in some way because, you know, um, ticket pricing is a Big pro. Um, I don't know how much you've seen across um, social media, but you've seen a lot of people saying what the ticket prices should be, and it, it, that's going to potentially hit, hit the club as well. And then even little things that like you guys put in the light. You know, are you going to bring um, kickoffs forward to stop putting um, floodlights and stuff? And it's very tough. Uh, it, it absolutely is. I mean, you know, in the same way as every every fan is facing. Um, inflation. So, so is the club. I mean, our 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 costs are are going up. Um, you know, thankfully, because of you know really good, um, prudent, uh, management and um and our on our finances. You know, we've at the moment, you know, we we've got quite a good deal in terms of our energy costs. But energy costs, are, if if they keep spiraling, are going to be huge. I mean, when you just think about the energy that we consume, whether it's the floodlights or the grow lamps. Um, you know, it's it, 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 it's astronomical, and so you know, wages go up, uh, costs of raw materials go up. Um, you know, we we came in for some flack over the cost of our uh, our, our catering and uh, particularly our pies at one point. I, um, <laughs> I think I think that what's really important is that at all times we are looking to be. As, as competitive as we possibly can on the ticket pricing um you know but and you'll see from the the, the sort of different price prices that we have that we we always try and make it that you know at the end of the day the season ticket is that the bit what offers the best value for money yeah definitely um i mean for most people around the city, that's certainly appealing. I mean, unfortunately for myself, I can't get a season ticket because of course um, and where I'm. Yeah. But um, yeah. I'll certainly but try and get when I can. Obviously, we look we look at you know a lot of other initiatives. So you know, there are different different pricing uh, structures and, and initiatives, and and there's also you know our, our Aberdeen uh, junior mm-hmm. uh, membership, which is absolutely free to to any child uh, under twelve. They also get. You know, a certain amount of free tickets as as, as mm-hmm. part as part of that, and, and and our Aberdeen for All initiative, which is you know sponsored by a number of uh, prominent uh, individuals in Aberdeen and uh, businesses, 
uh, is about you know the, making those uh, ticket allocation of tickets um, to, to to those who are unable to afford um, to attend football matches. Well, there's obviously big challenges ahead, and um, you know we wish you well in trying to overcome them. But let's bring them um, things on a more positive note, and let's talk about women's football because obviously women's football is on the up. Um, Aberdeen had a had, had a good season last season, and um, you've got um an interest, um, shall we say, given the fact that you've mentioned your daughter Francesca is playing. She's a vice captain. How proud are you of her and uh, the joy she's taking? You, you you can't I can't put it into words sometimes I mean I think probably one of my two proud proud moments I think um the first was you know watching her play for Scotland under 19s in Poland um that was that was that was incredible I think you know any any parent uh, seeing their 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 child don the don the the, the the Scottish strip uh play for their country um you know that's that's a fantastic moment uh, that I'll always cherish um I think as well. Then, secondly, when she when she signed for Aberdeen, um, was was fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And um, she's she's also doing well. And the Aberdeen have got quite a good few players in under nineteen. Uh, just now, like yeah. uh, Bailey Hutchison, you know, Eva Thompson. Yeah. You know, they've got a good Jess young Broderick. team. Yeah, Jess Broderick, who captains the, the Scotland under nineteens at the uh, at the moment. You know, yes, we've we've got we've got some great. Um, great players, and you know, there it seems to be that each each season we're increasing uh, the number of players that we have who, who then make it into the the the, the national teams. Yeah, it's, it's definitely um, all good to see. And uh, with regards to um, your management team, we've had them both on at different parts. Uh, Emma Hunter, I've spoken to a couple of times, and Gavin Beath was on our um, SWPL preview show at the start of the season. Um, what what are you thinking about the job that they, they've been doing so far? I mean, fifth last season and the first season, the top flight was excellent. I think it surpassed everybody's uh, expectations. Maybe maybe not Emma and, and Gavs because they set very very high standards for the for themselves and and for the for the girls. But I think you know that was it was certainly the the sort of the strategy that we have at, at, at board level that that. Stephen Gunn, our director of football, uh, works on for you know for for the women. Um, it it certainly surpassed our, our expectations. They were they were fantastic. Now, unfortunately, we've not made the greatest start this this season, uh, and I think you know it was really unfortunate that last weekend's game was cancelled because I think they they had a momentum building after I, what I thought was an excellent result against Glasgow City. Good performance, um, unlucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, to 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 keep you know to hold them um, to that that one goal difference was 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 fantastic, and they, they, they I think they were their confidence was up. Um, they 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 started to 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 believe in themselves, and it, you know it would have been great if we kind of carried that momentum uh, into that that game that was for obvious reasons cancelled. Um, so I just just hope they can keep it going. And I, uh, you know, today we we announced the the signing of, of Nadine. Um, and I, you know, I think I think she'll bring a lot of strength um, uh, to the midfield um, and 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 that experience um, at playing at the levels that that she's played played at. Um, I think she's going to be a fantastic addition to the team because it, it's obviously important. We've got a very young team, um, and I think, you know you do need some of that. Having lost um, Kelly, our former captain, mm-hmm. that she's she she's retired obviously. Um, Last season, you know, you, you do need that 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 mix of uh, of experience. So I think Nadine's going to hopefully bring that. 
Yeah, they definitely needed. Uh, that's the thing that I've noticed in the um, games I've watched so far. I've also spoke to Mark Gordon a couple of times as well. Uh, met him at the Hamilton game. I mean, that Hamilton game was frustrating because Aberdeen dominated that, but yet we lost three um, one. Yeah. But I, I do think, especially, especially when we're playing a team like Rangers, you need some experienced heads in there just to calm it down. And someone who's played for a team like Aston Villa down south, it's um, that's valuable to the team. It's, it's just as well that our partners playing in goals for um, the men's team. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was um, very, very fortunate <laughs> for us. I think, I think when we all found out um, that you know everyone was like, Kelly's partner used to play for Aston Villa. I think, I think she was getting approached from 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 all sides. Of, uh, the poor woman, and you know, she just just kind of trying to get back to fitness after giving birth. It's um, you know, and she's getting she's getting approached from everybody. Going, you know, I was even offering to babysit. Uh, for for their son, so that she could go and play for the dawn. So that's great. Yeah, that that that's a good that's a good deal. They're saying for the club, you get a babysitter who's a director at the club. That would be a great story. <laughs> you heard it here first on SFF. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, we're talking about things um, growing up and going on in the women's game. uh, And Aberdeen were one of a few teams last season who had a game at Pataudry at their own stadium. Um, You know, had a, what was it, um, 1500 that night were at Pataudry. What what plans in place um, to have um, another event next season? Because obviously, or this season as we're speaking. This season, so I don't think it's been announced yet, but there is going to be very soon another women's game at Pataudry. Um, so I, I better not say the the date and the <laughs> the opponents yet because I'm not actually I can't, I'm not actually sure if it has been revealed. Um, I think Dave, our chairman, is he was the one who pushed the, the for the women to play at Pataudry last season. Um, I think he wants to see at least two, maybe three uh, games at Pataudry if we can do that. Um, I must admit the the first game, obviously, that we played at Pataudry was against Rangers. Um, and I must admit that I was nervous about that because I was concerned that, you know, people who'd never watched the women before would come along to that game and see us potentially getting quite badly beaten by Rangers. Because I think what what people who are new to the women's game don't really appreciate is that enormous gap that there is between the three, you know, fully professional teams uh, and the rest of the the, the, the league. Um, I think what I can't remember off the top of my head how many how many of the teams are kind of hybrid, like you know, semi-professional, and how many aren't at all uh, professional. But uh, you know, when when you look at the budget, I think it's something like you know, over the last three seasons, one point one million per season that that Rangers has as as uh, as Rangers women have as as a budget, you know, and um, that the, that that gap uh, is you know. Uh, means that you know we could have uh, at that first game at Pataudry against Rangers, it could have you know been a pretty bad score. But again, hats off to our women who just played their socks off that night um, and held. I think was it sixty minutes. But it was no, it finished in But I think for sixty minutes, it was still nil nil, which was quite mm-hmm. impressive. Absolutely, and the atmosphere. So it was. It was pretty much kept the fans were all in the main stand. Um, but the atmosphere was was fantastic. So obviously, what's different in the women's game? No segregation. 
um, loads and loads of families, uh, loads of young girls, but young boys as well. Um, which which was great to see that our sponsors, Bascalis, for example, they they had decided that you know part of their sponsorship they would open it up to all their staff and fa- and families um and and they came along and just you know had had a great experience so it was it was just it was such such a a joyous occasion um and to see, see our women you know playing so well that night was was fantastic it certainly was and uh you know long may these events uh, continue and uh as I say, I, I, I was nervous about it. I was also nervous because playing at Pataudry for the first time was going to be daunting for our for our women. Mm-hmm. But also, it didn't really give us a home advantage because they'd never played at Pataudry before because yeah. they're on grass when they they traditionally play mm-hmm. at, at, at Balmoral on, on on artificial. So, you know, for all those reasons, uh, I think the, the result was even, even more fantastic. Yeah, I mean... It's obvious, obviously you don't want to get beaten again, but you have to put things into perspective. As you, I mean, you know, Rangers, um, Celtic, and uh, Glasgow City are dishing out big scores all the time. I think in the first weekend of the season, I think the aggregate was thirteen nil for those three teams against the teams that they were playing. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know Hibs have went kind of full time this season, and Hearts and, your, and um, Aberdeen are two that have adopted the semi pro model. Um, but you know that might lessen the gap a little bit. But let's be honest, it's going to take a lot of investment and a lot of time before we even get closer to be fair and you know to be fair to to, to us we're still very much at the beginning of this journey uh, with women with women's football um i think i think what's really encouraging is just how much the the the, the board is invested in this um you know it's the the women uh when when Stephen Gunn, our director of football, gives the the update. It's it's the first team, it's the women's team, and then it's the the, the youth teams and and the academy uh, on the on the board agenda. Um, I think so. You know, there's a real commitment from the board, but right across the club that you know that the the women become you know are absolutely inte- integral. Uh, they're a part of the 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 overall Aberdeen family. Absolutely. So it's all one club at the end of the day, and it also yeah. helps that you've got a good, um, you know, social media driver in Mark Gordon, um, who does yes. the reports for the games. Um, you know, he's just a good advocate for not just Aberdeen football, but women's football in general. You know, because you see things about the Scotland national team, he's retweeting it and stuff like that. And it's just, yeah. you know, it needs more people like that as well. Uh, absolutely, because you know the the, the more um, promotion, the more uh, exposure we get, the more we're going to to increase the you know attendances, which which bring in uh, revenues. The more we're going to increase our sponsorship. I mean, I think our commercial uh, team at the club, you know, led by our commercial director Rob Wicks, has just done a phenomenal job in in getting the the, the sponsors that 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 we've got and. You know, there's there's huge potential to, to increase that. We just have to, you know, you just have to see the growth in, in women's football globally, but particularly in, in in this country. And I think obviously that the uh, the English women, um, you know, winning winning the Euros has demonstrated, you know, what what you can achieve when when you invest in a sport. Yeah, I, I mean, seeing the attendances at the Women's, Euro, uh, women's Euros was absolutely fantastic to see, but I'm going to confess I didn't watch it. Simple reason being I was still sick of the fact that Scotland didn't qualify. We had three um, 
games in a row where we lost one nil, we dominated. I know. And I just felt I know. that's the expectation they've set though, because they've done so well in recent years. And let's hope that they win these playoffs coming up. That will hopefully get to the World Cup, or at the very least, send us into another playoff. <laughs> Absolutely, because I think you know it. It was, I think, a real catalyst for women's football in Scotland was when we qualified for the World Cup that last time. Yeah, I think that's where a lot of people jumped on um, the bandwagon. I'll be honest, that's um, where it started for me, and I'm glad I've got myself properly invested in it, and I'll keep watching it. Um, in terms of, um, you know. The, the the women's clubs made a big decision to um, change who was going to be their governing body, move from Scottish women's football, who does a lot of good things, to the S, SW, um, the Scottish Premier SPFL. There's so many, so many bodies. I <laughs> Just S- keep, try and get one umbrella if we can. SWPL. <laughs> yes, yes, SWPL under SPFL. Yes. Um, what was I mean? Uh, we. I'll be honest, now, you know that's because I messaged you about it at the time. I was um, concerned about the move because, in my in my opinion, I don't think the SPFL have ran the men's game particularly well. There's a lot of squabbling, there's a lot of, um, you know, and again, self-interest coming on, but that's maybe me being cynical. When I spoke, I addressed that with Fiona McIntyre as well, and she was good at explaining it. But from your point of view, from an Aberdeen Football Club point of view, what was the reason they took that decision? I think primarily... Obviously, it's the, the the more that you know, as you say, SWF did a phenomenal job, um, and they really have to be congratulated for what they did, for what they do, and what they did, and with a with primarily or largely a group of volunteers. And I think what what the SPFL bring, and you know, you I I I was the same. Well, I, I remember when I tweeted about what good news it was you know, obviously got a lot of criticism from people saying, well, wait a minute, you know, this is what we think of the SPFL. So whatever you think about the the SPFL, they will bring and are bringing that sort of more sort of professional governance um, that that mirrors essentially the the, the men's game. And I think it's it's really important. I I always say to people, women's football is, is a different sport. And it needs to be considered as a different sport. It's not just a female version of the men's the men's game. Mm-hmm. But equally, you want you want the women to to, to the women's game to mirror the, the men's to a certain extent. So I think being under that same governing body, as I say, whatever you think of that governing body, being under uh, that 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 governing body um, brings that level of, so um, say, professionalism, governance, um, you know more competitions um what else have we got from that the 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 commercial aspect of it in terms you know we've already seen um in in terms of broadcast deals and i think we're going to see more of that um because you know a lot of um the 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 media organizations have now got you know a certain quota of uh of their their sports coverage has to be female sports whether that's cricket golf rugby football whatever um so that so the more media time devoted to women's sports is going to mean an, an increase in, in in broadcast revenues and it's uh, you know it's important that we've got a body that does have a, a commercial arm that 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 can can deal with that and negotiate with that yeah and i think they made a smart move by making fiona mcintyre the managing director oh. i'm not just saying that because we've had her on our show because i've also had vivian mcclarnon who's done a phenomenal job at swf um but 
I, th- I just think she's a, just a positive driver. You know, she's a real promoter of the game. Um, she'll, and- she'll hate me, hate me for saying this, but for somebody who is is um, you know so small in physical stature, she is a huge powerhouse um, and and a force to be reckoned with. And you know, if somebody's going to drive this forward, it's absolutely Fiona. And you know, I'm a huge huge fan of hers, and I think she's she's doing a great job. And 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 what's great is that she's surrounded by by a good board with with two good uh, non execs. Um, you know, particularly James Murray, um, who I actually spoke to fairly recently. Um, you know, he's chief of staff at, at AC Milan, and people might think, why on earth have we got chief of staff at AC Milan um, on the on the board of SWPL? But you know, huge amount of experience, knowledge, and and contacts that 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 he brings. And and for us in Aberdeen, it's quite nice because there's a good connection with AC Milan and in Christy Grimshaw, who who actually I think I think she started her career at Stonehaven. Really? Uh, yeah, then played for 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 Aberdeen before going ab- going abroad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's a good few players in the Scottish national team that once played in Aberdeen. Obviously, Rachel Cross being the biggest one. Um, you'll need to get her signed up when she comes up towards the end of her career. See if she can end it where she belongs. Oh, that 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 would be that would be fantastic. She, yeah. Again, she's you know great. She's a great ambassador um, for mm. women's football. She's a great ambassador for for Aberdeen City, not just the uh, Aberdeen Football Club as well. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, well, maybe um, that can happen one day. Um, we'll wait and see. But I think she's um, she's at a good point point of career, and she's got um, a little thing of trying to lead us to the World Cup, and hopefully she she does that. Um, oh. Just come back a bit before we move on to quick fire stuff. Um, you know, we're t- we we talked a lot about about. Um, Stuart and uh, you know I forgot to follow on and I better get this in now. Um, how does Dave, um, you know what? Uh, no, what does what is uh, what's the difference really between Dave and Stuart in terms of um, how they work and um, how they operate? You know, and them totally different characters, totally different styles, but the common theme is that they are both as passionate about Aberdeen Football Club as, as as any fan. And I think I think for, for me, you know, I, don't, I always knew that there was this kind of divide between fans and the football club's board. There's always this sort of them and us, um, you know, where the, the, the fans, you know, will, will always criticise uh, the board. That's fans of any club. Um, and that's the, I knew that when I when I went on the board, and it was one of the things I probably feared <laughs> the, the the most. And uh, you know the the abuse that you get on social media when the team is not performing well is not pleasant. I can tell you, yeah. and it doesn't matter if you're posting stuff that's got nothing to do with football. It it comes back it comes back to football. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think sometimes you, rightly we come in for 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 criticism. I think what is so for me inspirational if you like about about Dave is that it doesn't matter how much abuse or criticism he's getting he is he's so resilient and you know he, he always says that he said okay if we get it wrong if we f- we fail quickly we learn quickly um and we we address it and i think he's he's demonstrated that um he's you know there's going to be varying um thoughts uh, on on Dave but as I said, all I can say to fans is that you know he is an absolute ardent fan. At the heart of everything, he is a he is he is a fan. He wants to do what he thinks and what the board think is 
best and in the best interest of uh, of Aberdeen. And you know, I think you can't you can't fault uh, his his commitment both uh, in terms of the time that he devotes to the club for absolutely no return whatsoever, apart from a love of uh, of Aberdeen, uh, and the and the, the financial uh, support that he has put into the club. You know, um, you know, if you think. It's probably, you know, with him and his investors, those investors that he attracted to Aberdeen, um, you know, that's it's over twenty million. So it's it's delivered it's delivered Cormac Park. It's got us through COVID. Uh, it's allowed us not to have to take a hit on the football uh, budget. Um, and you know, it, it, it amazes me sometimes that some of the some of the criticism. It, he he gets he he just uh, you know he, he he just keeps keeps going, um and keeps wanting to do what what's best for for the club and and I think that there's a very clear strategy and a lot of people fans uh, will, will say or will criticise him for constantly talking about the strategy but but I think you know every organisation has to have an, a, a clear strategy that everybody is bought into. We might not always achieve it. We might not always deliver on it. But we know where we're going. There's a there's a shared vision of where we're going, and and that strategy at Aberdeen is absolutely clear. It's to be the best, you know, developer of young young talent, and I think we've demonstrated that recently with some fantastic player player sales. Um, with with what what we are doing in the academy, what what the youth teams are 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 delivering, the fact that they're invited to these tournaments, uh, you know, all over the world, and the fact that we are doing well in these tournaments. Um, the, the the whole the whole youth academy setup is is phenomenal. The fact that I think now that the youth players are seeing that that they can break into the into the first team and that they can do they can do well. We've got um, that that, and it's not just about being the best developer of young talent. It's also then recognizing that we need to sell that talent on and make money from that talent because that is what's going to make us a, a financially sustainable club, and. You know, we can't always rely on Dave and his investors to bail us out as a club. You know, we need to be increasing our revenues. Uh, and that, that means on a commercial uh, basis. And again, you know, hats off to, 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 to Rob Wicks and the team that have dramatically uh, increased uh, those commercial revenues, whether that that be on the the corporate hospitality front, right through to the the new partners that we've got on board, the the, the fact that they're coming up with innovative ways to attract more brands as as, as sponsors and partners of of the club, and then making sure that we fulfil our commitments to the to those partners and keep them happy and keep them on board and keep them spending or investing more in the club. Um, it's also about increasing season tickets. I think that you know that that's really important, and some people, you know, have a laugh when Dave comes out with us want to get our season ticket holders up to fifteen thousand, um, when we're currently sitting, you know, around about nine nine thousand. I mean, that's that's a big that's a big leap, um, but you know, we're, we're we're working on doing that, and that's about that's where the fan engagement comes in. That's about you know making sure that our fans have a great match day experience it's you know engage, engaging with them as, as as much as we possibly can listening listening to them sometimes I know that they don't <laughs> they don't believe us that we, we are listening um you know the the red shed I think is a really good example Dave made that happen um you know uh, we've got our issues with it because of the the licensing and uh, other uh, authorities um but 
we absolutely want to make the the, the red shed uh, the you know where you can have the really good match day experience because when the red shed's in in full flow, we we see what the the atmosphere that 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 creates at Pitodry. Um, which some may say has been severely uh, lacking before. Um, you see what it does, how it lifts the players, and you know you see you see how much it means to to the manager and and uh, and the players as well. So so that that's important. So as I say, it's about being a sustainable financial a financially sustainable club by increasing those those those, those revenues. That's that that is uh, important to us. And obviously the other the other parts of the the the, the strategy that you know. Some people may not, you know, it's not all about on the pitch. Obviously, that's the that's the final product, and it has to be a, as good a product as as we can possibly uh, make it. Um, but but also, it's about you know a lot of off the pitch uh, things. That, going back to what I said earlier about being at the heart of the community, that's important. That's important to us. Uh, being a top UEFA 100 club, and we've significantly moved up the rankings. I can't remember off the top of my head, but we've moved about um you know 30, 40 up the up the rankings already. Um and 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 hopefully delivering delivering a new stadium. Yeah, um, a new stadium, some trophies would be good. Um <laughs> I've got a couple of questions from um from Twitter. Um just a couple. Um one from Robbie Swanson. Um I won't read out the whole question but he basically does ask, um, do you encourage Dave with his open policy and answering fans' feeds? Because what I will say is um, Stuart and Dave are completely different characters. It's like one's an introvert, the other's an extrovert, and we know what say Dave's on, but um, you've, um, but is that something that you encourage, given it? Because he came in for a bit of criticism for going on BBC Scotland one night, you know, with his ding-dong with Kenny McIntyre. Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think that one was, you know, it, it was incredibly split. The, the feedback to that it was so many people thought that it was a car crash of an interview whereas you know a lot of fans felt that you know his passion came across his desire to defend Aberdeen it came across um he wasn't he wasn't going to take you know take some of the things that they were saying lying down um in terms of do I advise yes I give advice to Dave um yes he maybe doesn't always listen to it or he does his own thing um but he he also he takes he takes advice i think he takes criticism well um he i think what drives him to be is the, going back to this whole fan engagement piece what drives him to be a bit more outspoken is because he he, he does want to be open and, and transparent um and and i think you know, I think having you know lived lived in the US for as long as he has, he he does have a slightly more American approach. Whilst he's still very much an Aberdonian at at heart, he does have a, a, have quite a, an American approach. Um, but it's it's ultimately it's not about Dave. It's about the football club. And sometimes he he he's passion. He's so passionate about it. Um, and and he does want to be open and transparent. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I think you know, some, sometimes he can he can be uh, quite outspoken, but I think there's there's no denying uh, his absolute commitment to to the club, both as I say, in, in his time um, and his his, his financial uh, side of things. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good answer. Um, and Glenn should asked very um, briefly here. Um, 
influence um, you f- you feel podcasts can have on the men's and um, and women's team? There's also there's a couple of specialist Aberdeen ones, and um, and obviously our one. And thank you for your time. So, um, how would you answer that one? I, I think that podcasts like this are in- incredibly important. Um, I mean, we we recently did did a few podcasts. Um, I think Rob Wicks, for example, did did one on the the stadium. Um, I think Dave Dave has also uh, done a couple. Um, I think sometimes, and, and wrongly, I think that the fans think that Red TV or our own social media channels are very much you know club propaganda. Um, you know, when actually it's about you know us us taking control of uh, of of the content and 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 putting it out at the uh, at the at the right time um but you know i think some people think it's staged or or managed and i and i can certainly say that with dave it's not staged or managed um, <laughs> um and so but i think the the podcasts particularly ones that are run by fans are seen to be a little bit more independent and um, perhaps as I say, not not seen so much as uh, as club propaganda. So I think they've got a valuable uh, role to 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 play, and it's interesting to get to get different views and and different different questions. I think certainly the 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 series of interviews that that Graham Hunter's done with the club um, have gone down quite well because again Graham pulls no punches and um, you know he'll he'll ask questions. Those questions are not I can absolutely categorically say they're not scripted in advance. Yes, um, yeah, Graham um, has his way. Um, he's just straight to the point. Um, absolute legend of a man. Right, so um, well, f- thanks again for your time, Zoe. And um, we'll just end with a, a round of what we call slow fire questions because um, it takes us that long to get through them. Um, so, first of all, we ask this regularly to all our guests um, what's your favourite pie? What's my favourite? Pie. Pie? Oh, macaroni. Yeah, not the Pataudry version. <laughs> Yeah, Baxter story, but stroke macaroni pies—they are excellent. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, what's uh, what's your favourite tipple? Well, I think some people would say prosecco, but if it comes down to it, it's got to be vodka. Vodka. Good answer that one. <laughs> I was actually given an Aberdeen vodka for being an Aberdeen podcast recently, so um, I'm not a vodka drinker. When our next come for I'll pass it to you. How about that? Well, I'll, I'll maybe if I if I give you a Pataudry gin or a Pataudry whiskey in return, John. Yeah, we'll, we'll negotiate that come the time. <laughs> um, if you were to um, invite any four people from the world of football, and it oh. doesn't necessarily need to be Aberdeen, to come to a dinner party hosted by yourself, who would they be and why? Oh, I wish I'd got this one in advance. Um... <laughs> Shall I listen before, Zoe? <laughs> Four people. Yeah, it can be anyone from the world of football. Anyone from the world of football. Um, I think definitely Sir Alec Ferguson. Yeah. I was so I was so privileged again to be in his company for a whole evening uh, when we had the the statue unveiling, and I could have sat there all night and listened to him and his and his stories. Mm. Um. Ooh, who would number two be? Gosh, this is this is the difficult. Um, and I, I'm going to say somebody that's going to be controversial. I'm going to say Amy McDonald, not the oh, singer right. Amy McDonald, but Amy mm-hmm. McDonald, who's head of women's football for Rangers. Mm-hmm. And as I say, that is going to that is going to go down like a lead balloon with our fans. <laughs> but 
I think Amy is is somebody that that I've got a huge amount of time for. I, I think has done a fantastic job in in women's football. Has achieved great things uh, with the Rangers women's team, and I, and I think as well, I think what maybe some of our our fans who are just involved in the men's game don't realise is that there is there's a much more collegiate and collaborative approach at the moment, you know, amongst amongst clubs uh, in the, in the women's game. And I think it's because we're all on this journey uh, of you know getting at uh, the women's game to where we think it, it it should it should be and could uh, and could be. So it's it, you know it's it's not so there's not the segregation. There's not that sort of real you know animosity be, be, between the clubs. And uh, and Amy is a really interesting character as well. I, um, yeah, I'd have I'd have her. Um, now who else would I have on this? Oh, I'd probably because if you ask me. To mention some players, I think from Aberdeen, I'd have Simi because Simi's good crack. Mm-hmm. Um, and my my best anecdote about about Simi has to be that when my daughter Francesca was doing a week's work experience at Pataudry a long time ago when she was still at school, um, she went to see the under uh, four uh, the four, under fourteens uh, training, and I said, "Well, who took you there?" And she said, "Oh, some baldy bloke called Simi." And I said, what you mean, Gothenburg, great, Don's legend, some baldy bloke called Simi. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd have, I'd have the baldy bloke, I think, because um, he's he's just, he's a legend. And again, I think what, what he's doing um, on the youth side at Aberdeen has, has got to be ac- acknowledged. I've got a fourth one, haven't I? Yeah. Um, oh, I think Russell Anderson. Yeah. Because... To me, he's 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 one of the the real gents uh, of our of our recent uh, recent history. Great guy. Yeah, um, yeah, he's he's the most recent uh, legend in, in my eyes, and I was so pleased when he lifted that League Cup trophy in twenty fourteen. Um, we wish it was a procession of other trophies, but it's not quite happened. But it is a difficult world, um, and. Yeah, I'm, I'm not taking up too much yet. I was just asking um, what we call the show stuff. We would normally ask people for their best 11s. I'm not going to ask you to do a best 11. Um, I'm going to ask you to do a combined current men's and women's six aside team. Men's and women's six aside? Mm-hmm. So three players in the men, three players for the women. Put them in a six aside team. Well, this is really difficult. Um, let's start with uh, Kel Ruse, then Lauren Campbell, Ross McCrory, Oh, and then the middle, Ailey Shore, Francesca Ogilvy, and and Miovsky. Let's go with that. Well, listen, uh, well, listen, thank you very much for your time and carry on the good work with uh, Aberdeen and your role as director. And, um, well, and keep sharing the positive news about women's football in general, not just from the club, but for Scottish football as a whole. Good. And for those um, out there who've never come to see our, watch our women, then please do. Yeah, thanks very much. Sorry to take you. Okay, John, thanks. <laughs>